0: Pastor Dan. Amen. Thanks, bud. Awesome. A couple more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yikes. <laughs> She's always like Wow. <laughs> uh, we have the uh, you can turn me down a little bit. Still a little hot. Uh, we have the college group, uh, Converge group. They've been over in Squim this weekend. You were there for a little bit. How, how was it? it was great. Pretty good. They went to the uh, game farm. If you've ever been out there, where you feed the bison and the and whatnot. And there, if you've seen the video on Facebook, if you haven't seen it, go on Facebook, watch the video. They are freaking out uh, as the bison attacks their car and attacks the bread. So, pretty fun. Well. Um, This is great timing that it's raining today because I actually want to talk about the rain. I don't know if you've noticed this um, or if you've heard this before but in the 122 years of keeping record of uh, amount of rainfall, 122 years, um, this October through April, guess what? We broke the record. Isn't that amazing? Right, we won something. As a Mariners fan I can We won something, but you know what record they broke, right? Last year's record, so that means, (laughs) so the last two years, record rainfall, almost four feet of rain, almost four feet, just in that little space between October and April, a lot of rain. Now I don't even have to tell you that, right? Like I, I don't even have to tell you that's been a lot of rain because you've walked through that amount of rain, right? You, you had to go to Costco and buy the rain jacket. Um, a lot of you, I mean I don't even, one of the things I pride myself about being in Seattle is that I never use umbrellas and we bought umbrellas this year. Like it just got ridiculous. We went to Costco and bought the uh, big golf umbrella from, uh, from Costco. So, um, what comes from clouds by the way rain and rain comes from clouds so it's also been cloudy it makes me think about Wyoming I went to the University of Wyoming and many of you know that and what I loved about Wyoming it got cold if you ever lived over there I mean, it it's really cold and there's snow and there's like a lot of snow but if it's not snowing do you know what it is sunny. it's sunny like a whole lot of Sun it's cold but it's sunny like in Wyoming you actually know the color of the sky do you know what color of the sky is actually It's blue. Hey, by the way, do you know what color the sun is? It's yellow. You actually see the sky is blue. The sun is yellow. And yet here we are, right, you don't want to be too Debbie Downer here, but the clouds have been a little intense. They cover up cover up a lot of things. They cover up the blue sky. They cover up the yellow sun. But probably what, I'll just say, what ticks me off the most is that it covers up the thing that is usually somewhere that direction. You know what thing I'm talking about? Rainier. Mount Rainier! Like come on! It covers up Mount Rainier. In fact if you've lived here for a while you don't get tired of Mount Rainier and one of the reasons you don't get tired of it because it's you don't always see the mountain. In fact a popular saying maybe you say, said that is you'll be driving you'll go oh it looks like the mountain decided to come out today right? The mountain is out today. Clouds cover up the mountain. I don't know, even today, I, I, when I got here, I was like, can I see it? I was like, oh, I don't know if I can see it. But then we had a couple of good days this week, like really good days. And have you ever taken 410 up the mountain, right? And then all of a sudden, there it is, right? Beautiful Mount Rainier. And, and, and Mount Rainier really is beautiful. I, I think it's amazing. In fact, in its majesty and its splendor, I'm biased because I live here. I think it's probably one of the most amazing things in all of the world. Mount Rainier. Many of you maybe are hiking Mount Rainier today. Um, You empty seats. (laughs) But don't you know the clouds have a way of covering up things like this? In the same way as Christians, one who follows Jesus as I live this life, my day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year life, sometimes we can all get caught up in forgetting the majesty, the splendor, the beauty of what we have in Jesus, right? You remember when you first saw Jesus? When you, you remember when, when it clicked that wow like this guy he actually can take away my sins, he can actually give me eternal life. When, when, you, when you remember, you remember that just awe Maybe you were crying. Maybe your hands were, were raised. Maybe your heart was beating faster. Maybe you had goosebumps on your arm. You just stood there in awe of his majesty and you just began to thank the Lord. Remember the, just the praise that began to flow out of you? This thank you God for your mercy in my life. Thank you God for your love in my life. Thank you God for your grace in my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But then life comes in, right? The clouds come in. Sickness that's one of the heavy clouds that can come in many of us. It's just crisis There's all kinds of crisis. There's family crisis. There's relationship crisis There's marriage issues job issues and each one of those things they come in. They try to cloud The mountain so to speak try to cloud Jesus they can cloud uh, you, you in many ways. They can cloud your thinking they can cloud your attitude, your mindset, your gratitude, your thankfulness, they can even begin to cloud your love. And and no one's immune to this, right? It happens to the very best of us. But the clouds, they can cause us to forget what we have in Jesus, even what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And that's why I love the Bible. Anyone know who wrote the Bible? God, the Word of God, inspired men to write this wonderful Word of God. That's why I love the Holy Spirit. We just sang about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit who is our teacher, who is our guide. But that's also why I love this. I love coming to church. I love coming to church. Worst part about being in Israel is that I wasn't here on Sunday morning with you guys for church. I just love it because in church, and I I was so thankful that the Lord led us in even receiving some of those words, in church the Lord uses the family of God, brothers and sisters, to remind us of what we have in Jesus. To remind us of what we have in Jesus. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and the family of God. So that's what we're gonna do over the next four weeks. I think it should be pretty good. We're gonna let God, and he's good at this by the way, but we're gonna let God remind us of what we have in Christ. And I believe this for those who are open to it, and not everyone is open. I'm not gonna force you, but whoever's open to it, I believe you're gonna watch the clouds disappear. And whether you've lost your focus, maybe you've lost your way, maybe you've just forgotten who you are, maybe you've forgotten what you've had, we're going to use the next month to regain our focus. And it doesn't matter how you came in today, by the way. Some of you, maybe you could tell me, even now, in confidentiality, you would say, you know what, I am right now in a record season of clouds and rain. Right? I don't need a show of hands on that, but I'm I'm just assuming there might be a couple of you in that spot. But I believe this, even if that's true, by the power of God. I believe this. Those clouds are going to disappear. I believe that God is that good and that he is going to bring into plain sight, clear view, perfect focus, Jesus once again. I believe he wants to do that for you today, but before we go any further, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your power, your power that's on display in this room even now. Move in power. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. So many of us, God, we want to regain that focus, to have the clarity of your word, the clarity of your spirit, and the clarity of Jesus Christ right in front of us. We want to follow you and do what you ask us to do today. In your name we pray, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, open them up. Uh, if you have maybe your tablet, smartphone, anything, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. Over the next four weeks, four different passages. This one is Romans Twelve. Many of you would agree that this is your one of your favorite verses, right? It's got to be at least in the top ten. It's a pretty powerful passage. It's this instruction from the Apostle Paul, from God, from the Word of God, to you and to I, and, and it's and, and to me on what it looks like to live for God. Let's see. Do we got it? Romans twelve one. Would you guys read this with me? Therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Heard that one before? It's a familiar passage, right? Great passage from God's Word to every person here. If you call yourself a believer, this Word is for you. If you're a disciple of Christ, you're going to want to Allow the Lord today, bring it into focus, bring it to a place of clarity so that you can understand it and not just understand it but also do what it says. First we gotta get it back into context. So take it back, right, 2,000 years, who's writing uh, the book of Romans again? Paul, right, the Apostle Paul and he's writing to Gentile believers. Gentiles, those would be people that are non-Jewish. Uh, The Gentiles, and he calls them, by the way, this is important, he says that these people are his brothers and sisters. If they're his brothers and sisters, that makes them family, right? So they're non-Jewish members of the family of God. But here, this first line, offering your body as a living sacrifice in view of God's mercy. Great verse, right? I think it's a great bumper sticker, you could put on a t-shirt, I'm for all that stuff. Um, a great place to put verses in the bathroom just because it's one of the more frequent places you visit and a good time to memorize the word. But anyways, in view of God's mercy, offering your body as a living sacrifice. Great verse. I kind of feel, and I, I, as I was walking through it this week, I think it has lost its punch just a little bit, when you don't understand the context. If you remember, we did a sermon series a while back called Twisted, remember the Twisted series? That was really fun. I I took scriptures like this that we take out of context, we kind of manipulate it, we kind of just cram it into the box that we want it to fit into, and then we use it really for our glory, not for the glory of God. And we really need to, as we did in that series, take some of these verses and put them back into context. This verse is awesome as it is by itself, the vitality of the verse, the life of the verse. I'm just telling you, it's even more powerful, even more powerful, when you understand what's going on in Christianity during the time that Paul wrote this. So he's writing, again, non-Jews who are part of God's family. Non-Jews, part of God's family. Now leading up to chapter 12 and chapter 10, chapter 11, Paul, he reminds us that we're not in God's family, this is so important, not because of the works that we have done which is interesting because you and me were just talking about this, having a great discussion, not in the family because of works we've done, not in the family by keeping the law, but instead we're made right with God by faith. Have you heard that before? right? We're made right with God by faith, by trusting in God. And we're told throughout Romans chapter 10 that those who believe in Jesus are made right with God. Now he says that the laws way of making a person right with God, it requires obedience to all of its commands, but faith's way of getting us right with God is belief. You've heard this verse before. Romans 10 verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved, as the Scripture tells us. Anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on Him. For who that calls on the name of the Lord? everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. So we aren't saved by following a bunch of rules. We are saved what? By belief in Jesus, faith in Jesus, trust in Jesus, calling on the name of Jesus. Then Paul goes in, he moves into chapter 11, he talks about how the nation of Israel, they have stumbled and they have become disobedient. He says they were disobedient so God made salvation available to the Gentiles. Again, who are the Gentiles? (laughs) Us, right? Non-Jewish people. Uh, uh, They had stumbled, become disobedient, um, so God made salvation available to us. But he wanted his own people, the nation of Israel, he wanted them to become jealous, and claim it for themselves. Now if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, look at this. Think how much greater a blessing the world sh- will share when his people, when they finally accept it. I hope we understand this, Church. Even today, in the year 2017, God wants his people to be saved. He wants the Jewish people to believe in his son. Did you know that? We're still in the season of salvation. It's still his desire, the heart of God, to see his people accept this salvation, to put their trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now he says something amazing. He says, I'm I'm saying all this especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I stress this for I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have. Why? Is it on the screen? So that? I might save some of them. For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance, God's people's acceptance of Jesus Christ is going to be even more powerful. It is actually going to be life for those who were dead. Again, I hope we understand this. God's heart is still for his people to accept the salvation that he offers. And then he goes on and he talks about some of these people of Israel. They've been broken off like branches of an olive tree. Broken off. We saw a lot of olive trees in Israel. Here's one of them in Nazareth, uh, a pretty awesome gnarly looking olive tree. And then I also took a picture of one. Uh, This is actually at the Mount of Olives, uh, garden of Gethsemane. This olive tree and he says, Again, he says some of these branches, these Israel, people of Israel, they have been broken off like branches of an olive tree. And then us as Gentiles, listen to this, like branches of a wild olive tree. Some of you are more wild than others, but like a wild olive tree, we have been grafted in. So Paul says that you and I, we've been grafted in. So now, this is pretty incredible. It says, now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment that comes from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You're just the branch, not the root. Well, you may say those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember those branches were broken off because they didn't believe. Everybody say believe. Believe. They didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do. Say it with me. Believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the original branches, He's not going to spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He's severe toward those who disobeyed, but He is kind to you if you continue to trust in His kindness. But if you stop trusting, you will also be cut off. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief. Here's the heart of God for his people, church. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again. For God has the power to graft them back into the tree. Hallelujah. You by nature, you non-Jewish members of the family of God, you were a branch cut off from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into his cultivated tree he will far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree where they belong. Again I hope we're understanding this. I want to be able to teach the word this morning that if you believe in the Lord whether you're a Jew or Gentile by believing in him, guess what? You're grafted into the tree. Guess what? You call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You believe in him, you're grafted into the tree. Paul says a little bit later, he says, Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news, and this benefits you Gentiles, yet they are still the people God loves, because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to to you instead. Everyone say merciful. It's an important word here today. He was merciful to you instead. Now they are the rebels and God's mercy has come to you so that they too, God's chosen people, they will share in God's mercy. So we need to understand this. God wants mercy on who? On everyone. Right? He wants to show mercy on Jew and Gentile alike. All of us have struggled with disobedience, every one of us, but if we believe, if we put our trust in him, again whether you're Jewish or Gentile, God will be merciful to us. Mercy of God. And then we move in to the passage for today, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I offer my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. Why do we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice? Because of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy. As you consider what God has done for you, as you consider what Jesus Christ has done for you, as we consider his mercy, the heartbeat of God, the love of God, his willingness to graft us in, that we might even receive the blessing that God promised Abraham and his children as we accept this gift of God, our response to his love, his grace, his mercy is to give him, offer him everything in return. Therefore, in view of God's mercy on my life, I offer my life, my body as a living sacrifice to the Lord, holy and pleasing and this is my spiritual act of worship, of praise, of thanksgiving, of gratitude, of love to my Savior, of love to my Creator who has shown me a tremendous amount of mercy. I think the punch comes back a little bit, right? The vitality of that verse. It's great on its own. But when you begin to see it in context, because of the mercy of God, what do we do? We worship the Lord in light and view of what he has done. We worship the Lord. And so we got to get this kind of straight today, clear this up. So our worship of the Lord, our our holy and pleasing life, this isn't an attempt to get to God. We got to understand that, right? You don't live this holy and pleasing life to try to find God, right, to kind of make your way up and now give me mercy. Now lots of us do that. You ever got stuck in that before? I've done that before. Just give me the ten rules and I'll follow the ten rules and then I'm like ta-da! Now shower me! (laughs) But it's flipped isn't it? It, it, You actually gotta flip that. Instead our behaviors, our actions, our day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month lives are not an attempt to get to God But all that we say, all that we do is actually a result of already being with God, right? You're with God, why? Because you believed. You put your faith in the Son of God. You put your trust in the Son of God. You called on the name of the Son of God. And God now has been merciful upon you and because of God's mercy on your life, you're now grafted into the tree. Because you're grafted into the tree, guess what? You're a part of the family and that kind of rhymes. You could write a song and that's cool. But you're a part of the promise. And in light of this truth, now you just give it all back to him. You'll worship the Lord. So your life in view of his mercy, it's a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, an expression of praise, gratitude, thankfulness, worship to the Lord. Tracking with me? I hope you also caught the phrase living sacrifice. It's kind of one of those Christianese sayings. We kind of, it kind of makes sense inside the church building, you start talking about being a living sacrifice to your non-Christian friends, you might scare them just a little bit. Here's a knife, here's an altar. Good luck, buddy. It's it's, going to be a little confusing to them. But he says that we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And I think most of us understand that, understand what he's saying. But uh, question for us to consider is this. It's a good question. Is God receiving the entire sacrifice of your life? Right? Is God receiving the entire sacrifice of of your life? In the Old Testament when the animals were sacrificed on the altar and I I have a picture of a replica of the altar. Um, This was a replica of uh, a tabernacle and um, or the tent of meeting and you see the uh, Altar right there. I think I have another picture too maybe a little clearer. Just a replica. So the altar when, when the altars the animal you know lambs taken to the altar did they just, did they just kind of take a leg or an arm and then let the animal live and you know walk away just with three legs instead of four legs? No the animal died and I, I, I'm sorry if that hurts it hurts yeah, I get it and it was a neat lamb and, but they had to die um, the the life of the animal it was consecrated it was offered to God and man just, you gotta ask yourself have, has your life been offered and consecrated to the Lord because if you're gonna identify with this passage again it's a great passage yay all of us as Christians we should follow this passage but if you're gonna identify with it then you can't play the game Maybe you've played this game before where you just kind of give the Lord a part of your life, right? A leg of your life or an arm of your life. Got to give him everything. Everything. So easy to sing in a worship song. Much harder to do. You got to give him everything. The entirety of your life. Head to toe. For that also means morning to night. Sacrifice. Not just part of it but all of it, presented as worship to God. And if you heard, some of you have heard of this guy, uh, General William Booth. He founded a pretty amazing movement of God, right? Anyone know? Salvation Army, that's right. Listen to what he says. They asked him, uh, William, why has your ministry been so successful? And this is what he answered. He said, because God has had all there was of me to have. I love that because God has had all there was of me to have. Consider your own life. Can you say that God has had all there is of me to be had? Have you given him everything? So not just a foot, not just an arm, but your entire body. Not just a day, by the way. Not just a moment, but your entire life. Again, this offering, this sacrifice is not to get to God, it's not to find God, it's not even to enter the presence of God. Now you actually do get to be in the presence of God because of a sacrifice, did you know that? But it isn't because of your sacrifice, you get to be in relationship presence of God because of whose sacrifice? Jesus' Jesus' sacrifice. You get to be in the Lord's presence not because you gave everything but because who gave everything? Jesus, But now in light of this good news of Jesus' perfect sacrifice where he gave everything by believing and trusting in his death and resurrection, you and I are now in a right relationship with God, reconciled back to God, and in light of his mercy grafted into the family, now may we, every one of us, present our bodies, all that we are, and give it back to the Lord, holy and pleasing, a spiritual act of true and proper worship. Now what does that look like? I mean it sounds good. I I think if if you believe Jesus and you hear me talking, I'm talking the Word of God. It's resonating, right? I mean it's stirring within you. There should be goosebumps on your hair right now. There should be a compelling motivation within you. Like yeah, I want to live for the Lord. I want to give my life to God. Because that's just what the Word does. It fires you up. But then what does it look like? Right? I mean it sounds good. I was thinking about this week. Like man that sounds good how do you do it? How do you do it? Well, Paul says in the very next verse, he says, you want to live for the Lord? You want your life to be holy and pleasing to God? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. Do not conform, son or daughter of God, to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Pastor Warren Wiersbe writes something that I, I just really, re- really resonated with me this week. This is what he said. He said, for many years I've tried to begin each day by surrendering my body to the Lord. You know, living sacrifice, right? Present your body to the Lord. He says, then I spend time with His Word and let Him transform my mind Prepare my thinking for that new day. Then I pray and I yield the plans of the day to him and let him work as he sees best. I especially pray about those tasks that upset or worry me, and he always sees me through. He continues, he says, we must start the day by yielding to him our bodies, our minds, and our wills. The Spirit of God transforms your life by renewing your mind, but he cannot do this unless you give him your body. I think that's really good. And he says, if you begin each day by surrendering your body, mind, and will to your Lord, you'll make a great deal of difference in what you do with your body during the day. Now I think the reason it resonated with me, because I've noticed that in my own life. I, I want to be a living sacrifice. I love Jesus, but I've noticed when I don't start the day in the Word, when I don't start the day in prayer, it's amazing how quickly I can get off track. And, and actually quite conformed to the world. I know no one else struggles with that. Um, You can just uh, throw stones to me later, but um, just it's amazing how quickly I can become conformed to the world. And here's my problem. I love to work. I love to work hard and sometimes I just get up and right away I, I start running. I just start working. Anybody else like that? You just get up and just boom, you know, up and running. But when I don't give time for my mind to be renewed, it always catches up to me always. And this is how it plays out on those days. I find myself somewhere in the early afternoon between noon and 2 p.m. having to go to the Word, having to pray to God. And again these are on the days when I don't intentionally spend time in his presence. And I, it's this afternoon God please rescue me uh, session that he allows me to have with him from time to time. And it goes something like this. O oh Lord forgive me. (laughs) You ever done this before? Oh Lord, forgive me for how I've acted and behaved and for what I've said this morning and now may the rest of my day now be submitted to you living not for the world but for your plans, your purposes, and your glory. In fact, this happened Friday morning like two days ago. I tried to live without going first to the Lord. I got off track right away. In fact, I got so far off track I didn't even have to wait until noon. It was like nine in the morning. O Lord, forgive me, for I have acted and behaved and for what I've done this morning and now may the rest of my day be submitted to you, living not for the world but for you, for your glory, your purposes, and your plans. See I've lived long enough, I've been a Christian for long enough to know that when Jesus says I'm the bread of life, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Remember that when he says that? I'm the bread of life, who comes to me will never hunger. I've lived long enough to know that I need that daily bread. Right? And some of you that have been Christians long enough, you just know that. Like, I need the bread that only Jesus can provide. I need a good breakfast. Without that, I'm going to go hungry. I also know that I have to be drinking the living water of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells the Holy Spirit is living water. Without the living water, church, I'm thirsty. Without the daily bread, I'm hungry. When I don't have the living water and the daily bread, I'm malnourished. And a malnourished Daniel Burst isn't good for anybody, right? It's not good for my home, it's not good for my church, it's not good for you, it's not good for my family. And so for me mornings are crucial. Mornings are mission critical to my fruitfulness as a disciple of Christ. I must have that time of thanking God for his grace and his mercy, submitting my life back to him, allowing my mind to be renewed. Uh, we don't understand how hard it is sometimes to live in this culture. The reason we don't understand is because we're living in the current of our culture and sometimes when you just caught up get caught up in the flow. You don't realize how amazingly contrary it is often to God's plans and purposes for our life. But if you're gonna try to live your life for the Lord, then you have to have that time, that moment with the Lord where he transforms and renews your mind, where you commit to his purposes, not the purposes of the world. A great phrase to say, I think we should probably say this phrase more than just about any phrase that we say, is not my will, but yours be done, right? We kinda uh, religiousized it, you know, and it became this really religious phrase that is actually a very powerful, awesome phrase to pray. If you don't know what else to pray, just pray that. Jesus, not my will but yours be done. Not my will but yours be done. And and what you're saying there, you're saying, Jesus, I am right now saying I want to submit my life, my plans, my purposes, all that I am, my entire body back to you. I offer it all to you. May it be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. May my day. Again, this is in the morning for me. May my day, how I'm about to live, may it be lived out for you. And not according to my plans and my purposes and my will, but may it be according to your will. Now may it be all that I am. May it be worship to you. And that's going to be a good day. Did you know that? That's going to be a good day. Now it doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen. Bad things happen all the time. Doesn't mean you're not going to get a flat tire. Doesn't mean you're not going to get the grumpy email or whatever else life decides to throw your way. But even how I respond to those negative things, it's different. It's different when I commit out loud, when I dedicate my life on that day to be a living sacrifice to God. It changes my mindset. It affects my heart. It gives me the opportunity to hear from God and now walk into His will for me on that day. Right? And if you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, again, it's resonating within you. You know what I'm saying is true. Absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe your time, by the way, with the Lord looks and sounds different. And that's fine. It doesn't have to look like my time with the Lord. This is a personal relationship with God. But the point that I want to make and hopefully I'm making here is that you and I, we're not tricking anybody, right? We we know the difference between when you're spending the quality time with the Lord and then when you are not. And what we all have to understand is that when you're not offering your day-to-day life to Jesus, it can all get a little cloudy and we can begin to lose our focus. We can even begin to lose our way. But I believe right now, 10 a.m., it's time for the clouds to part. So we're gonna read this together. This time we're gonna read Romans 12, verse one and two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Hallelujah. And so this is what I want to leave us with today. And Mary, if you want to come on up. Most of you in this room, if I asked you if you were a Christian, you'd probably say yes. And yet how many times in our lives, and this is again for all of us, our mouths say one thing but our actions say another. And maybe, I don't need a show of hands on this, but maybe right now you know it. You're saying one thing but you're doing another. And if that's you, you need to know there's a tremendous amount of hope for you today because God has been merciful to you. Daniel Allen Birch, I have done enough wicked things on this earth to die for my sins. The Bible is very clear. The wages of sin is death and yet God has been merciful to me. There are things that you and I have done that are so far removed from the holiness, from the perfection that God demands and yet God, He has been merciful to us. He's demonstrated His love, His grace, His mercy through His Son Jesus Christ so that if we might believe, trust, put faith, and call on His name, we will be saved. And so in light of this mercy, today it's the perfect day to dedicate your life back to Him. So regardless of how you came into this moment, you can't change the past, right? You're powerless to go back and change all the things that have already happened. But this moment, in this moment, today you need to know you actually have some power. You're actually more powerful than you realize because in this moment you can choose by faith, you can choose to live for God. As the message paraphrase declares, I love how he writes it. He says, you can take, this is for every person today, you can take. Your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and you can place it before God as an offering. You can let the Lord know, Jesus, not my will, yours be done, Jesus, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling like I'm doing this perfectly, I feel like I'm tripping up a lot, but I want you to know that today My body is yours. I want my life, all that I am, to be a living sacrifice to you. And so I've asked Mary and the team to sing this song, and we're going to sing it maybe a little bit quieter, but just in this moment, before we close the service, just thank Him for His mercy. Thank Him for His mercy. Maybe you need to say it with your lips as we sing, just uh, maybe in the quiet, just Begin to thank him for his mercy. Maybe tell him again that, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Yes, I trust in you. Yes, I have faith in you. Maybe just um, uh, someone the other day, they said, I don't know how to pray, Dan. And, and I said, well, let's not stress about that. I said, just say Jesus, that, that's gonna cover it. Just, just say Jesus a bunch of times. He knows what you're thinking. You, you just say Jesus. Maybe that's what you need to say while we're doing this song. You just need to re- renew your mind. Have a change of attitude in your heart where you can begin to focus on Jesus. And I believe this, that as Jesus begins to become the the main thing, right? Becomes the focal point of your life. I believe this, I believe this. He will now lead you into his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's sing this together.